This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Hello, and welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland, along with me tonight, as always, the Eeyore of podcasting, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? Nobody loves me. (laughs) That's pretty fucked up. Also with us, and you got to bear with this next host, everybody, uh, because he's really suffering from off-season football deficiency disorder, and that is Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? I am fucking bummed out and tired, and I just don't care about life right now. I know, all pre-game, I know you guys don't hear it, but all of the pre-show, he's just been playing Madden and talking about his Madden dynasty. You can tell that you're really missing football, bro. I got nothing else. Yeah, as bad as this intro was, the intro two weeks ago was even worse. Dude, all I don't even remember. Bad. I don't listen to our shit. Right on the couch, it was real awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. We have uh, a special guest coming up later, a good friend of the show, introing a, a new segment we're going to run through the off season. Uh, but first, let's jump right into the mailbag here. Uh, Derek Armstrong sending in the first question. He says, you guys have talked a lot about which Titans you think will be cut, but which free agents on the team do you think we will likely retain? Let me start off by saying for sure, 100%, I believe Carl Klug will be back. And in my opinion, that's probably the most important piece of free agency that's currently on the team right now. Other than him, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple guys uh, get retained, but nothing too spectacular as far as uh, talent-wise. Chance Warmack we talked about before, that's a hit or miss for me. I could really care less. But Sean Spence I like as a backup. I'd, I'd like to bring him back in. Other than that, that's that's pretty much it. There's a, there's some guys that have been on the team, like Antonio Andrews. I think we're let, letting him go. I'm okay with that. Some of the backup linebackers like Nate Palmer, Justin Staples, those guys are all interchangeable. I think we can replace them without any issues. But um, they're decent players. I wouldn't mind having them as depth, but definitely Carl Klug is my number one. Yeah, it's all about the Klug in this case. Uh, you know, I was looking at that, and like you said, Warmack, we've discussed that before. If he comes back at a reasonable price and he's a backup or he's motivated or whatever, I, I would be okay with it. The rest of these guys, you know, Spence, he, he can hit, but he can't cover anybody at all. So I don't have much use for him. Kendall Wright, we know, is gone. And just the rest of this list is just nobody I'll miss. You know, actually, Glenn, I just caught something. Uh, Damian Stafford is a free agent I did not notice. Um, I would like to retain him as well. He, again, he's nothing that's going to change the way we play, but I think he is a solid backup. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is a lot of these guys, if the price is right, we don't bring anybody else in to push them off the roster, then yeah. Obviously, well, just like you guys, Klug's the obvious one here. Patron saint of two-tone uncensored, Carl Klug. Uh, obviously, you have to keep him. He's got to stay. Exactly the kind of attitude that John Robinson and Mike Malarkey is looking for to build around this team. Uh, Stafford was also on my list. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I like. I think 
he's either going to have to show up big time or he's going to see the door after a while. But I don't think it's going to be this season. Given how weak we are in the secondary, it's not like we can afford to just get a completely new secondary. There are going to be some guys that, that hold over. I think he's won. He improved last year. His tackling the last two seasons has gotten a lot better. He's becoming a factor in the run game. Actually, this year, he was better in the run game than he was in pass defense, uh, and which was you know, outstanding considering how bad he was at tackling just two years ago. Made a lot of improvement, and I'd like to see that continue. There's two guys that I have on my list that I'm not sure how I feel about. So I wanted to ask you guys how will you feel about retaining these two. First one is Schwinky. He's a guy that can play center and guard. He's a good backup. Is it a guy that you would like to see us retain, or are you okay just letting him go? He played okay in relief. I don't have any particular fondness for the guy. Um, I didn't like him when he was drafted. I haven't had much use for him since because he's always hurt. But as a backup, he, he serves a function. And, you know, he's probably going to be a fairly cheap player to retain for the interior of the offensive line. So it's he's a easily replaceable player. But if you can keep him cheap until you do replace him, then yeah, it's reasonable to go ahead and sign him. I'm perfectly okay with letting him go. I'm I'm not a fan of his personally. I think that when he was uh, pushed into the starter position a couple of years back, he definitely showed that he wasn't ready for for that kind of limelight. Even as a backup, you know, I don't I don't mind him on the team as a backup, but he's been a disappointment in my eyes. I'd rather just cut ties. Uh, as disappointing as he has been, I think I'd like for us to keep him because of his versatility across the line. He can play multiple positions. <laughs> And not well, obviously. He's not, not a great player, for sure. But I think he's a solid backup. And I, I think it's a guy that obviously is in the same... I think he's in a similar boat as Stafford. If he doesn't show us something incredible this year, it's probably his last year. But a guy that I'd like to see get a one-year deal just because uh, depth is always important at the offensive line positions. Uh, and the next one for me, Anthony Fasano, is a guy that I like actually more than Schwinky because he is our best He's getting up there in age, but is our best blocking tight end. How would you guys feel about keeping or letting him go? He's a guy I like. I just I didn't mention him because I, I think he's done. If he does come back, he's going to be just a reserve tight end at that point. I fully expect us to bring in somebody else to be our number two. So his, his veteran level and what he'd be paid, he, he's a fully capable and competent tight end, but I'd rather bring in somebody young and be developing people behind Walker and whoever we bring in than worry about paying Fasano any extra. But, you know, like I said before, if the price is right, he'll play cheap, then sure. Yeah, I'm not real big on him, but he was actually graded as one of the best blocking tight ends this past year. So for what that's worth, I mean, I, I would definitely uh, welcome him back. He's 32 years old, so he doesn't have too many years left, but I do think at least one or two probably in the league. He's been around for a while. He's been on five different teams, I believe. As long as we can replace him this season, or at least you know put somebody behind him to learn from those two guys, him and Delaney, I think it'd be a good transition to keep him around for one more year. But again, if not, and I don't know how much money he'll actually demand, but he's somebody that could be replaced. It's not something that we're you know in dire need to keep him on the team. But he is a good blocker, so for what we're trying to do, he's good to have around. Young and cheap. Glenn likes his players like he likes his women. <laughs> it's better old than old and cheap. <laughs> old and expensive. Fuck that. Old and expensive, at least you get some experience at it. If they're old and cheap, <clears throat> nobody else wants them. 
Old and cheap's got some experience. If you're looking for miles, Glenn, that's where you go. <laughs> I'm not talking about miles. I'm talking about ability. All right, but move, let's move right. on to the next question here. Uh, in talking about tight ends, Ryan Ashley asks, "Would you? what do you guys think of us drafting O.J. Howard or possibly another tight end with our uh, first-round picks? It all depends on what we do. If If we trade out of the five spot, if we can move back to get a second round pick, I think that second round pick would be a better option at tight end for for what's there, because I still think that the top maybe not OJ Howard. I'm not really looking to draft him specifically. I do think that there's a good chance he goes in the first round, and maybe even Najoku goes in the first round also. But other than those two, there's there's definitely some more talent out there. I would rather not get a first round tight end. I've seen a few mock drafts like. Daniel Jeremiah had us taken, uh, I believe, Najoku at, at 18. I would rather trade out of that five and still get a quality defensive back maybe at 10 or 12 or whatever than have whatever we need, really the best available option at 18, and then still have that second-round pick for possibly a tight end. Yeah, spending a tight end pick that high, you know, it's rough to do, but it's going to be all about value. We've seen that with Robinson before. I don't mind spending that high of a pick on a tight end if you really, truly believe he's going to be a difference maker. I like the two tight end set. It forces the defense to balance their linebackers. They can't slant one way or the other. They're not not able to shade over to the strong side or anything like that. They have to balance their defense. That gives your offense an advantage in lining up. So if we do two true starting tight ends and then two wide receivers – I'm okay with going tight in the first round. I think we have bigger needs, but like Matt said, you know, there's a value to be had later. So if you take a tight end, you know, and when you trade back into the second or the third, somewhere in there, take a tight end and develop him a little bit because you don't need him right away. But if they're going to move a game plan to where we're starting two tight ends, then by all means, go ahead and take, you know, a true playmaker that high. And there's only a couple of those. You know that you know, are ready probably day one to go ahead and you know start using. But if, if we trade back, I don't think we'll be trading back out of the first. I think we just trade back a little bit later in the first. I just I, I like Howard. I like Njuku. I just don't know that that's where we spend that pick. Yeah, I agree with like what I have to say is not going to add a lot to what you guys already said. As it stands right now, if we don't trade back, I'd probably say no. Just because of where our picks are at and what our real needs are. But again, you know, a lot of us, me and Glenn, were both scratching our heads coming out of that last draft at some of the picks that were made. And, I mean, they hit that draft out of the park. So far, it's been an excellent draft. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But if we do trade back later in the first round, pick up a second round with that, that second round pick could be an awesome tight end if Nujuku stays out of the first round. Jake Butt, you know, he obviously has the injury, so it's a little bit of risk there, but he's probably overall the most talented tight end coming out. So obviously a great pickup there. Plus I think he's a better blocker than either of the other two uh, top tight ends in this class. I would agree he's the better blocker. Uh, you know, and that could be the game plan. It just it depends on what offense they want to run next year on what the value of the tight end is going to be. If they do go with a, you know, a balanced set like the the – the Patriots did, and we always keep going back to the Patriots with this, but when the Patriots had uh, uh, Hernandez and uh, Gronk at the same time, 
that offense was unstoppable. And I could see us trying to recreate that same thing. It was, like I said, it creates a balanced set, so the defense is always at a bit of a disadvantage because they can't key on which side you're going to go to. There's no real tendency that you're going to run left or run right. Uh, but you do have to have a tight end who can block and also receive in order to make that work that way. Yeah, and I think, you know, as quality as a group the tight end position is this year, I don't see a franchise tight end standing out, uh, you know, head, head and shoulders above the rest. I think O.J. Howard probably is uh, the most intriguing out of, you know, the talent perspective. But you look at Gronk, he was a second-round pick himself. So, I mean, reaching up to that first-round level is, is – I don't think it's a good idea. It's all about value and need. I mean – if you take him there, you're saying that you think you can get enough help on the secondary or elsewhere for the team. You know, the tight end is your best value and, you know, makes your team that much better. And I don't I don't see that being the case at tight end in the later middle first round. Especially with how talented this tight end class is. I mean, there's a lot of guys outside of those three that can get the job done for sure. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move on. Sonny Ali sends in a question. Do you think John Robinson opens up the checkbook this offseason, knowing that we're just a few pieces away from locking up the South and making a true playoff run? No, I don't think so. I think he's smart enough to realize what we have right now and what we're going to have to pay for in the the next year or two. Um, We got Taylor Lewan coming up here soon. Mariota will be out of his rookie deal. I mean, we have money to spend. But I don't see him wasting money on a big name when he knows that he can get production off somebody that's you know under the radar. Yeah, it's it's you know he said in an interview the other day that he plans to spend you know wisely and aim at value. That doesn't scream overpriced free agent. Uh, the the guys with big names, the big splash players, you have to overpay to get those guys because somebody else will. It's very mm-hmm. rare that your team is so good that people will play for you for less we're not that team right now i don't see a bunch of people giving us a huge discount to come play here if we start winning championships and guys who are really high end want to come win a ring that let me happen that way but i don't see him spending lots of money on uh, free agents even, even the ones he'd really like to have it's just it's you know dollars down the road like matt said if you spend them now you won't have them uh for the next couple of years whenever you're trying to resign your players at You've grown in-house. I 100% agree. You're talking about a guy in John Robinson that comes out of the New England Patriots system, you know, where they don't overpay anybody. You know, they don't pay anybody. You, uh, They go and they get guys with, at great value uh, and, and, you know, bring guys up from the bottom that step into roles and, and they train really well. And I think that's what he's going to try to do. I agree with what you guys both said here. I don't think he's going to go out there and try to get a splash big name uh, that rarely works. You have to build through the draft. That's exactly what I expect John Robinson to try to do. The last question in the mailbag today, Cloyd Hama asked this one. Who, as a free agent, has more upside and would fit LeBeau's system best, A.J. Boye or Logan Ryan? Obviously, I know Logan Ryan's a New England Patriot. There's a connection there, I'm sure. But honestly, I don't know enough about Logan Ryan to speculate anything on that question. But I'll say that with the Boye, I think that you know he's going to command a, a lot of uh, interest. Anybody looking for a cornerback, I don't know if it's a better deal to get Logan Ryan, and maybe that's something he looks at. But um, 
I don't know that with a boy if he's really worth the money that he's going to command because he's had you know a solid four years in Houston, but for what he's going to draw in as as a contract, that's if that's going to be worth it for us or not. Yeah, I would say Boye would be the guy I would go and target in that pairing. But like Matt said, it's all about the money. Uh, they're not going to overspend for a fifth-year player who hasn't shown that he's going to be able to come in and just dominate, you know, and take off, take away a side of the field. So not, neither one of these guys are big money free agents. It may just come down to value. Maybe they do take Ryan just because he'll be a little bit cheaper. I'm going to tend to agree with what you guys said. Uh, I think Logan Ryan would be the one I think I'd go after just because I think uh, Boyer's going to be overpriced coming out. You know, he's had a really great career so far. Below 60 pass rating as a career mark uh, when quarterbacks throw his way, which is outstanding for a young player. Logan Ryan's just a year older, so not much difference age-wise. And I think that he's going to get a little bit overlooked. He could come with that a little extra price just because he's coming from a champion. Teams tend to overpay guys that played on a Super Bowl team. But I don't think his price is going to drive him to the point where his value will be less than that. Or Sorry, his value will be less than that of uh, what Boye is going to be because I think A.J. Boye, not only a great young player, but he's really the headliner right now out of cornerbacks coming out. So I think he's going to get a price probably more than even he deserves just because he is that headline quarterback or headline cornerback in this free agent class. But let's head right into the news, guys. We have a couple things here for you. First two, talking about injuries. Mike Malarkey was on a Nashville radio station this week, and he said that he's going to be very cautious with Marcus Mariota's injury, obviously coming back from the broken fibula. They're going to hold him out of workouts till training camp, so he'll miss OTAs this offseason. Sad to hear, but it is the smart move, and I think Malarkey's making the right move here and holding a young quarterback back in a, you know, what was a very bad injury and getting him 100% and not risking any more injuries. Yeah, there's nothing. There's absolutely no reason why you would risk throwing him off track on his recovery. Give him as much time to heal up as possible, let that bone get you know strong again. It makes the most sense. O- OTAs are not that important to his development at this point. He understands the offense, so they're not going to be installing anything that he hasn't already seen, and he's a smart enough guy that he, he, he can learn the plays while resting his leg. He's going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. No no need to rush him back. He's uh, obviously the most important piece to our offense right now and, and moving forward in our future, so there's absolutely no reason to rush that. I 100% agree, and the other thing that I wanted to add on to this is his work ethic. Guys that get these kind of injuries that miss OTAs, a lot of times they get behind because they don't have that work ethic to come in every day, learn the playbook, you know, keep their nose to the grindstone, even though they're not, you know, with the team working out, going through drills. Marcus Mariota is that guy, so I don't think that worries you with this, you know, this kind of character, this kind of person, because you know he's going to come in every day. You know he's still going to be there. You know he's going to know the playbook probably better than anybody, uh, just because he's that guy. He wants to. He has that drive in him. He has that work ethic. Uh, moving on to another guy who's pretty famous in this crowd for his work ethic. That's Carl Klug. Uh, they announced uh, on the same show, Malarkey talked about Klug, saying he's rehabbing very well. They don't expect him to be there until after OTA, so about the same timeline that Marcus has. 
But one thing I really like to hear, and of course will come will come as a shock to no one who listens to the show. Mike Malarkey said that Klug's in the building, you know, working out, rehabbing, uh, in the team office almost every single day. And not only is it good because you're seeing a guy, you know, do exactly <clears throat> what he needs to do and exactly what he's always done, but you're also gives you a lot of hope for us resigning him. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was going to say. Malarkey did say he's in the building every day, just like it's doesn't matter that it's off season. They see him every day. That's a huge sign. Like one, yeah, he's going to make it back, I believe. And two, we have every interest. I, th- I think both sides have major interest in you know signing a deal. So uh, that's huge. And and he's a he's a big a role player for this defensive line. It sucks that this injury happened when it did during contract year because we don't know exactly how he'll bounce back. But if you know if he continues to work hard like he always has, I don't see any reason why he can't make a full recovery. Yeah, they've not acted for one second like they have any intention of letting him go. So I think he comes back and, you know, he, he's not a guy who's going to be trying to get that huge contract. He's just going to come back and keep playing. So I, I don't have any doubts in my mind he'll be back and be, you know, tight next year. Absolutely. And I'm very excited to have him back. Uh, the next one, obviously, I think every Titans fan knows it was big news going into the offseason that we're going to be one of the eight teams considered. Uh, for HBO's Hard Knocks show that they do every single year. Malarkey also in this same radio interview uh, talked about it, and they asked him what he thought, and he said it would be an an unnecessary distraction and he does not want to take part in it. They will not be volunteering uh, to do this, even though they're one of the eight teams. So if teams don't volunteer, they will ultimately pick a team. But Malarkey says he will not be volunteering and, and does not want Hard Knocks there. Yeah, that's that's a smart thing to say from a coaching standpoint. As a fan, I do want that to happen, <laughs> but just because I mean, I, I'm that obviously interests me a lot. I, I want to know the inside stuff. I want to see everything going on um, as an outsider. You know, not living in Nashville, uh, not able to go to to OTAs or whatever. You know, mini camp, whatever the deal. Uh, I do want to see it as a fan for my own selfish reasons, but I honestly don't think they're going to get selected. But if they did, I, I would definitely tune in, and I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast would as well. Yeah, it would be awesome for us because then we could talk about that show each week. You know, we'd have built in, you know, things to talk about. We'd get a better inside look. But he's absolutely right. No coach wants that added distraction from their team unless they're just trying to be famous themselves. There's no benefit <laughs> to your offseason program in having a bunch of cameras walking around and people questioning everything you're doing. You just look at the track record that Hard Knocks has. Teams do not have good seasons after they're on that show. Uh, and Like it's cursed, like Madden cursed or whatever. Uh, you know, it's nothing to believe in, but it is a distraction. And like Matt said, it would be cool from our standpoint just to be able to see more of the team. Really, they should just have a show where they just fall around Taylor Lewan with a camera 24-7 because that guy's fucking nuts, and it's fun to hear everything he has to say. But uh, he would be awesome to see on it. But it's if it's an unnecessary distraction, which it is, I'd rather just not have it there. Just you know, I want our team focused and ready this season because I think that we can do big things this year. The last piece of news, guys. Uh, within the division here, the Jags have traded a seventh-round pick to acquire Brandon Albert, left ta- or tackle, from the Miami Dolphins, and now they have also traded a late-round pick. I haven't gotten word exactly what round yet. Uh, to or they traded. To away, sorry, they traded away Julius Thomas for a late round pick from the Dolphins. There was a lot of rumors going on saying that it was going to be an Albert for Thomas trade. 
That's not the way it worked out, though. Is Albert goes for a late round, and then Julius Thomas goes for a late round. So, you know, not exactly sure what happened there with the trade. Um, sure, it has it's salary cap related, but looks like we're going to have a new tackle this year when we play the Jags. No, it looks like they'll have a new tackle this year when we play the Jags. The big dummy. Well, we'll be seeing a new yeah, tackle. Big dummy. <laughs> Nobody cares. I don't care. Let's move on. No, I, it, it's a big deal because it helps their offensive line. It's more surprising to me that you know Julius Thomas is going away than anything else. That just that was a big deal when they signed him, and he's turned into absolutely nothing ever since. He was always kind of overrated, in my opinion. I never thought he was. I mean, even when he was in Denver, I didn't think he. I knew he would get his contract wherever he went, and luckily it was the Jags. But I'd never thought much of him. Yeah, Peyton Manning made him. You know, he, he was Manning's outlet, so he was a big deal, but that was it. I 100% agree with that. I've always thought he was overrated, but he really never even fit in their offense. You know, the the way that they have tried to use him just doesn't really fit what he's, uh, you know, what he's worth. But Adam Gase has been with him before, obviously. So reuniting with uh, Julius Thomas, something that he wanted to do going out and getting this guy. So maybe we'll see him used more in Miami. Um uh, who knows? Another team that we will be seeing this season. So we'll get another look at both of these guys coming up this year. Uh, but that's all we have for the first half of the show. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Tyler Musson joining us for an, an extensive Ohio State preview. He's going to give us an in-depth look at all of these Buckeyes coming out of college and you know possibly could be Titans in the future. So we'll be right back with that. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to 2TONE Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. 
tighten up. All right, folks, we're back from the commercial break. As promised, we're going to go into our first of many uh, college experts coming in this offseason from all the big colleges to give us a little more insight in a lot of these draft picks that are coming out. First one with us representing Ohio State, good friend of the show, Tyler Musson. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good. All right, man, glad to have you on the show. Just for everybody at home, uh, the way this is going to work is we're going to start with the biggest names coming out from Ohio State, uh, work our way to the back of the list here, and just get a little bit of insight from a guy that obviously knows a lot more about these players than we can since he watches them week in and week out. Tyler, let's start off with the first thing here. Lattimore and Hooker, both coming out. A lot of people have them rated (laughs) as the top corner and top safety coming out this season, but both of them only have one season of college football under their belt. Is that something that teams should worry about? Uh, realistically, no. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's always that injury prospect, whether they've, they've been injured over, you know, their, their tenure as playing during college. But as far as, um, like, let, I'm gonna start with Malik Hooker. Um, Malik, he's, he's something special. Um, what stands out to me in Malik is his, uh, speed to power ratio, you know, being able to combine speed with a tackle. Um, his tracker skills are off the charts. His ability to come from one side of the field to another. He's just an outright playmaker. Whereas Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore is like, if you're looking for a cornerback, Lattimore is the guy you're looking for who's ready to go day one. Um, who needs minor tweaks and adjustments. Who's the most complete and fundamentally sound cornerback. Uh, you, you can base that off of a little bit of tape. You don't have to have like mountains of tape just to, you know, to make a good pick on it. You can see Lattimore match up against like uh, Godwin. You can see him match up against Mike Williams, Malik Hooker. You can see him cover against those same general types of profiles. So I think one year, it really shouldn't be something to alarm, but it's something that, you know, you need to. You need when you're doing your homework on them. You, you need to dig a little deeper, if, if that makes sense. All right, let's now let's head in. Like, let's look at them individually here, starting with Lattimore. I got six foot, one hundred ninety-two. Uh, as I said, you know, only one year of experience, but in that one year, looked phenomenal. Played really well. Uh, was good in man and in uh, zone coverage. A lot of people were praising him as the best overall talent at cornerback in this class because of his ability to play play both man and zone. Uh, You know, obviously we're a team that plays more man than anything else. Do you think having a guy like Lattimore that can play both is the best thing for the Tennessee Titans, or would you you think a guy that plays more man would be more beneficial? I think someone like uh, Lattimore is more beneficial to the Titans' style of play because he's good at all around. And he's, um, you know, emphatically good at covering by himself, covering on an island. And we know that Dick last year tried to take our rundown trash of cornerbacks and tried to leave them on an island while he sent jailhouse blitzes to the quarterback, and it didn't work. Um, I think Lattimore, he can cover. He's shown that he can do good press coverage, good zone coverage, but he's also shown that he is not afraid to get in on the run game. 
He's not afraid to come up off his man and, you know, stop a bounce on the outside. I think he's he's the best cornerback style that fits Dick LeBeau's offense. That's why I'm always pushing for Marshawn Lattimore. Um, as for Hooker, Hooker does seem to play in man a little more. I mean, he one thing I did note watching his uh, his film and watching him through Ohio State, he can get better in his footwork in the run game, um, and he also sometimes takes a bad angle. So his tackling technique, Dick LeBeau would have to work with him on, but he does take a couple poor angles at, you know, at misjudging where the run's going to go or something like that. You know what I mean? I want to ask you this, Tyler. We've had, you know, when we start, started talking about the uh, draft prospects a while back and we talked about cornerbacks, Lattimore really wasn't in any of our top threes, but I think as of right now, He's probably the top guy, you know, in any mock draft, first first corner off the board. What do you think separates him from these other guys? Hip movement. He has the the bet probably the best hip movement I've seen for an NFL draft cornerback in a while. Like when he when he goes up to press on the line and a uh, wide receiver goes to cut him on the outside, his hip movement from stationary to full-on sprint loses basically nothing in terms of him swinging his hips and what makes him better than not just anything in the NFL draft anything better than what we have is he knows how to turn his head around that automatically makes him better than anything we have very important you just made Ryan's day (laughs) best guest ever I know you're already my favorite man (laughs) <laughs> Those hips don't lie. I tell you guys every episode. You know, speaking of Malik Hooker, um, obviously cornerback, the big need for us, uh, a linebacker in the inside linebacker position, big need for us. Make the argument to, to us of why taking a, a safety like Malik Hooker over a more pressing need early in this draft would be a good choice for the Titans. Well, taking – Okay, if you're going to take a profile at a safety like Malik Hooker, you're looking at a case of best player available kind of thing. Um, you're looking at somebody who can spark your defense. Like, if our offense creates a turnover and, you know, against Indianapolis and we're facing such and such, we're down by seven, only such and such minutes left, and we need a spark. We need a play to get us back in it and to turn our offense back around. Malik Hooker is that kind of guy. He might not be the exact build of him, but he seems like an Ed Reed type of player who's going to get his helmet in to pop a ball loose. He's going to uh, an amazing interception, maybe run for that, back for a touchdown, but he's going to create those turnovers that are going to separate separate the field for you in your favor in my opinion at least. What was his injury? I didn't I didn't get a look at what the injury was, but I know he had two separate surgeries. I think one of them was a hernia and I didn't see what the what the yeah, other so was. Nothing other major was. then. Nothing major. It's just like things to take care of before the, you know, like they get serious. And I'm I, I just, anytime I hear someone say that it it frightens me on that I'm Kevin Dodd. 
It makes yeah. me like, okay, is this going to be like Kevin Dodd? Exactly. I was actually just going to bring that up because you, you do want to yeah. take care of it before you go to a professional team, but um, right. it may it may or may not hurt the draw the draft stock for him. But I think if he does slip, that you know that could definitely help us out later on. Right. And he he was one that um, you know like this time last month there was going to be no way I I saw him falling out of the top six. And so, you know, if there's somebody out there thinking there's a possibility we get Lattimore and Hooker, I would call it crazy. Um, But now it's starting to seem real, a little realistic just because teams don't like uncertainty with, you know, things like that. So he could drop a little bit. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. It's just – yeah, and I mean it only takes one team. You look at, you know, Miles Jack who's uh his knee is basically bone on bone and you don't know how long he's going to get, but he was a first round pick, so or a second round. Yeah. What is he? First, the second round. Miles, first. Yeah, Miles Jack was a locked in guaranteed every single mock draft that an expert put out. Uh he was a locked in top 5 at the worst top 10 pick and he mm-hmm. dropped to was I don't know fourth or fifth in the second round or something like that, but he yeah. he tanked big time. Same for uh, Reggie Ragland. Same same general concept. Yep. Yeah, and you look at this, and you've got possibly two Ohio State players in the first round. You know, if we just move back just a little bit, or if someone goes and gets Adams because they know he's healthy, you know, then it's possible you end up with those two guys. And then you're looking at a guy like you know Raquan McMillan at linebacker being there, they, he, he was the guy who called all the shots on defense, you know, all the pre-snap reads. What makes him worth waiting to make, address middle linebacker that late as opposed to grabbing somebody a little bit higher up? What makes Raekwon Yeah, uh, if, if, if you were to ignore, you know, somebody like, you know, F- Foster or some of the other guys – like Zach Cunningham, Cunningham and you, you might address later on. If you waited till second, third round area and McMillan's there, what what is he going to mm-hmm. bring that makes him uh, good enough that nobody's going to wish he'd picked somebody else higher? Raekwon, I, I see him locked in as a second second round pick. Um, he's a he's a great player. It's just I I, I think there's some things that sand him off on the edge that doesn't quite make him a first round pick but what he would bring to the titans would be he he reads his keys like it like a general and he's got he just got great pursuit to the ball uh he actually has pretty decent cover ability for a linebacker you know one one tape i watched uh was clemson and he was always seeming to get his hands up you know in front of Deshaun whenever whenever he had the opportunity. Um, he, he's absolute beast at the power tackle. Uh, he plays great on the run game. The only thing that I think about Raekwon that, that would push him to the second round is his footwork. His footwork, your footwork is your base when you go to cover a tight end or a receiver over the middle. He needs to work on his footwork just a little bit. And his block shedding, he can get better at that. But I think what make what would make him good for the Titans would be his 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 general like stance as a middle linebacker. Um, some people say he'd be best in a four three. I think he can play three four like a genius. 
Oh, I think he's a solid second round pick, but he'd be a good second round pick if we were to trade back and acquire one. I was going to ask you about that. You know, coming out of a, you know, they run that three three five stack. I believe you guys still run that at Ohio State. Um, so he plays a middle linebacker position. Obviously, at Tennessee, we run a a three four. Transitioning to that inside linebacker position in a three four, you got to be athletic at, at 6'2", 240. He's athletic for his size for sure. Do you think? Um, and obviously, footwork is his, the one big knock on McMillan right now. But if you think he gets the right coach and cleans up that footwork, do you think that he makes a smooth transition into a three four system? I think he could. I think if if someone's going to clean his footwork up, it would be Dick LeBeau. Um his best possible spot to be able to alter his technique and whatnot uh, to better his career in the NFL, the best coach to be able to do that for him is Dick LeBeau. Because Dick LeBeau is known to ta- – and no, by no means am I calling Raycon McMillan, McMillan trash, but Dick LeBeau sometimes takes less-known linebackers and actually turns them into, you know, quality, quality products. Dick LeBeau can clean that up, and if it does, Raekwon can actually cause some major damage being there in the middle and then having two outsides in Arakbo and uh, Morgan Dodd pending, and if we draft another outside linebacker, whatever. But I think Dick LeBeau can clean all that up for Raekwon. I just, I just see him not as a first-round pick because of those you know, those general outlines. Honestly, I think, I mean, I, I've followed him uh, somewhat closely when he was getting recruited because he almost went to Clemson, um, but ended up going to Ohio State. I think, honestly, and I don't know, you know, I haven't followed him as closely as you have. You think he's a second-round lock. I wouldn't mind if he, especially if he falls to the to our Rams pick in the third round. If he's there for that, I definitely wouldn't mind grabbing him there. Oh, yeah, for sure. If he drops any any further, you know, it, it's basically like icing on the cake. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of scouts last year that thought Kevin Byard was going to be a, uh, you know, middle to back end second round pick, and he ended up getting slipped on, and we got him right where we thought we'd get him in the third round. So I mean, it's it's the draft. Anything's going to happen. People are going to raise their eyebrows over some things, and players are going to drop. But I just think he's He'll be somewhere in the second round, but I will not argue with it at all if he's in the third round and our, you know, we're on the clock taking. Absolutely. Um, moving on now to another guy, probably not going to be a Titan just based on need, uh, but a talented football player, probably also going to be in that second round area is uh, Curtis Samuel, the halfback. Right now, a lot of people have him rated in that um, three to six window uh, as far as the halfbacks go in this draft class uh, do you think that's a fair rating or do you think you should be a little higher on that list i think that's fair um i think three is, uh, this is from a buckeye fan um three is his ceiling um six probably his floor um but i think that's pretty pretty decent rating just because Okay, let, let's look at it. He's one of those Percy Harvin-style players um, that Urban Meyer 
likes so much in his tenure in college. He's one that can run. He's one that can return it. He's one that can catch the ball. He's everything you're looking for in terms of, for lack of a better word, athlete. And he's good at all that. And he, he's, he can shift the field on a dime. And, you know, that's something we definitely need in the absence of Mark Mariani. So if you're, if you're talking about us drafting him, that's probably the likely duties he's going to assume in Nashville. But to be honest, I'm going to say I want no part in Curtis Samuel. I'm going to say it right now just because he has fumbling issues beyond belief. And that's the last thing that we need uh, taking over Mark Mariani's spot. I he, also, he also got fingered on the field, so he might have <laughs> Yeah, basically. And, I mean, once, once, you, once you overcome Carlos Watkins like that, I mean, there's, there's, you just cry when you walk onto the field. It was Christian Wilkins, but whatever. Well, I, it looked like Carlos Watkins, but okay. <laughs> They're all the now same, that, aren't they? That That's a great comparison a, with uh, Percy Harvin, though. I mean, because Urban Meyer was Percy's coach in college down in, in um, Florida, and, and they're pretty pretty spot-on comparison, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, he's, he would be the – he's the epitome of the word athlete that – college recruits are looking for awesome college athlete awesome for any spread offense or anything like that but i wouldn't i don't want any part of him in the nfl because he can't hold on the ball to save his life he fumbled i want to say three times at least that i can remember in the clemson game and you know they say to to beat the best i mean to when you play the best you have to beat the best and he just fumbled left and right playing against one of the better teams in college football. So. That was an so ugly Samuel, game. I, would, I personally would put fifth round grade on Chris Samuel. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next guy I'm actually pretty excited to talk about because he wasn't really on my radar that much, um, and then I got to watch a lot of his tape this week. Um is another cornerback definitely getting overshadowed by his fellow members of the secondary, but Jaron Conley is now starting to make a little bit of a name for himself uh, coming into this draft class and has been moving up draft boards because of his size and his rumored speed. You know, he's at 6'1", 195 pounds, and they're saying that um, there's not a chance that he's running over a 4440. Um, from what you've seen, do you think that's an accurate portrayal of his speed i think uh what gary and conley can run is you know it's a cliche to say a cornerback can run with the best of them or he can you know he can hold his end up when it comes to speed i think conley you know if he's if he's calling out a target i think he'll get at least pretty close to that i think conley has a pretty good burst and speed um, he has the ability to, on his pass coverage, he just, he's not exactly a clone of Lattimore, but he seems to play off of Lattimore, which basically means he has good, good hip movement as well. He, he's good in zone. He's good in press. The only thing about Conley is he gets slacky in the run defense at times. He, but, by no means does that mean that that's like 
every, you know, if you want to be nitpicky about a cornerback, we're going to be here for hours because every single cornerback in this draft, you know, has something about them. But what Conley has just happens to be his interest in the run game, seems to me. Um, Conley, I think he's sold, sold and locked in as an early second rounder. He will probably even crack the first round. Um, you're looking at like the quarterback needy teams at the back end of the draft, uh, Dallas, whatever. You know they're likely to take them if they if he, they see him as a first round talent. But he he could be a very good second round steal if he's there and you know we go to pick him because he's he's not a he's not an image of Lattimore, but he kind of plays off of that speed and whatnot. So it, it's kind of generally similar. I think second, in my opinion, might be a reach for him. Um, the run support scares me the most with with him. I don't know how fast he's going to run. Um, and, I mean, film was probably the best thing to go off of as opposed to a 40 time. But I, I just see him as more of a, a, a third rounder maybe. And I think if we did wait on corner, which I hope we don't, um, a third round would probably be the best value in my mind. But like you said, I think I think maybe he does play off of the, the talent that's around him, and we don't really have that kind of cast to support him as a rookie. Or you know, we need help now. We don't need somebody that's going to eventually develop into something we need, you know, immediately. Right, right. Um, I think if he can go like to a team that has like an already established in number one number one, yeah established corner maybe even an established nickel you know how rare that is nowadays though if he can get into that i mean I, i'm sure he can flourish just well but if, if you're talking he needs to come in and be the guy you know our answer for andrew luck our answer for crappy bortles throwing up 300 <laughs> on us. um if he's gonna be that guy i i don't think he will succumb to us being take us taking him that hot if it makes sense, and I, I I could see him going the third round just depending on someone's uncertainty at quarterback cornerback situ- situation. Now you know um, Ryan loves the Bortle. Yeah, I I remember that when he when he started him the that week during like Ryan actually started Blake Bortles. That motherfucker. Yeah, I did every time we talk about it. it I find it so hard to remember who came in first in that league. It, does anybody remember who was the champion? Hey, hey it's all I forget. smoke and mirrors. Do you guys remember? Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> all right. Um, like I said, I watched a lot of bit on a little bit on Conley this week. Uh, from what I saw, I'm impressed. He he, uh, the size, the speed, it's there. I think he's a little raw. The one thing we we're talking about hip fluidity. He plays tight and he plays high. Uh, you know, it's a problem that a lot of young corners have. And we've seen guys, it, you know, it controls their career, but we've also seen a lot, a lot of guys overcome it with the right coaching and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, Matt, you said third round. Uh, from what I've been reading, so, you know, recently and the way he shot up a lot of people's draft boards, I think second round is starting to become more and more or less likely, especially if he keeps that 40 time down. Um, one scout even said if he runs a 4 4 40, and he measures over six one at the combine that he's going to be going on Thursday night. Um, but the one thing is that the very tight hips and he plays really high in his hips. Uh, do you think that 
if he does run the time that we're talking about him running, would you? And he does get in that early first round area. We trade back. Would you pull the trigger on Conley there, or would you be skeptical of that pick and go elsewhere with it? Would would I pull the the trigger on from where again? On Conley, if he does end up being in that high first round or high second round area, and we trade back and get an early second rounder, would you be willing to take him there? Or would you pass? If if he if he runs that forty, that that actually moves him up my list of corners because that that shows the burst, you know, and what you need in a cornerback because all these corners they're doing projections of what they're what they run in the 40 and it's like four five four five two you know not sub four four nine stuff like that um if he if he runs that that will put move him up my board so i would not be completely against take like if we let's say we at 18 is where we address the cornerback or we trade down from 18 to 23rd he would actually be one of the better candidates because honestly, and from pick one to pick 18, I could see a good chunk of cornerbacks coming off the board. And it, people always ask me why I always call for Lattimore at five is because you look at picks seven to 13. I mean, sure. You've got your, all your experts saying, Oh, this team's going to take this and this and this. Well, the most outstanding thing for a good 80% of those picks, they need a cornerback. And who's at the top of the list by a lot of standards? It's Lattimore or it's uh, Tate, what's the name, Tease DeBoer. They're at the top of the list. So, I mean, you've got a good four to five cornerbacks coming off the board there if that holds. So if we get to 23rd and Conley's there, as opposed to someone like, Mar- let's say Marlon Humphrey just happens to be there. Who's an actual horrendous cornerback, but that's a separate issue. Um, <laughs> Gary and Conley, I would not be against taking him at 23 over someone like Marlon Humphrey or actually even Sidney Jones. Ooh. I think Sidney Jones is going to be a back end first round, but I would definitely take Conley at 23 just by, you know, if he can hold, hold true to that speed standard that everyone's seeming to knock him against. I agree with you with Humphrey. And and from what we said a while back, our, our well, my personal list was a little bit different than, than what the experts have persuaded me to change my opinion. But I think Sidney Jones I would definitely take ahead of Conley. But I, I would take Conley. He, he's probably – it's it's hard to I'm not I'm not exactly sold on him yet, but I don't know enough about him yet either. So it's it's hard to say, but I would take Sidney Jones ahead of him. Um, but I remember I was high on Adoree Jackson, who completely fell off the board when you know you hear the, the experts talk about corners, you know, falling in the. Speaking of falling off, there goes Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, why? Hey, see what happens. While Matt's gone, I wanted to talk to you about the next guy on my list um, at center, uh, Pat, Elf- Pat Elflin, a guy that uh, it took him a while to bust into the starting lineup. 
and then he finally does had a great year last year. Now they're saying, you know, a possible fifth rounder, which actually for the center position means you're a pretty damn good center. Um, what do you think about Elflin coming out? And do you think he's a guy that could be a versatile player and move outside to guard if you need him to, or do you think that he's you know just a prototype? Um, center needs to play the position kind of a guy. Well, he's he's uh, one of the more versatile um, linemen that I've seen at Ohio State because, you know, you have your, your Muhorts, you have your uh, Taylor Decker, you know, whatnot. You have guys that are pretty much pinned to one side of the line. Um, Elfline, he he moves and pulls more than more than anybody we have on that line, basically. So I think to him to move to that guard would not be unnatural. It's it like with any any player, regardless of whether you're shifting him or whatnot, there's gonna be a growing pain or two. But I think he's one that moves enough in a running uh, half running system that it, it could actually match up well for us. One thing I noticed about him, um, he actually has a really strong base. Um, he he seems almost like a smaller Taylor Decker but on the inside of the line. Um, and in terms of his pass blocking, he, he really stands up to that. Um, just absolutely driving defenders back off the line of the scrimmage. The only thing I have about him is uh, he tends to get sloppy where he puts his hands. Um, overall hand placement needs needs a little bit of work. But I think he could be absolute supreme depth for us. If, like, okay, if Klein... Klein, I think, earned the job that last year, and it's his job to lose. But if if we draft Elfline, um, if we draft him, he would make probably one of the better uh, reserves that we could get, unless you know, without spending a, a whole bunch of money uh, or trying to acquire another trade. So I think he could be something great, and especially working with Russ. You know, he the sky's the limit with any offensive lineman if you if you're working on with Russ. So I think he could be good as far as where he falls in the draft. I'm not 100 percent certain. You know, linemen are hard to predict, especially based off someone's need. So, but I think he can make that transition to guard very well. But he'd also be there for center depth too. So. All right, and at the back of this list here, you guys have a group of wide receivers. Noah Brown, who's projected at a seventh or sixth rounder, uh, and then Corey Smith and Dontre Wilson, who are projected to go undrafted. Um, we'll start with Noah Brown. Do you think, as a late-round guy, is this going to be a steal of a pick for someone that gets him? Or, you know, where is where do you really see him um, as a value pick? Um. Well, Ohio State receivers this year are going to be much harder to gauge simply because of the fact of J.T. Barrett. Uh, J.T. Barrett is an absolutely horrendous Ohio State quarterback, and he's selling all of these wide receivers short. Noah Brown, I think, has the better upside of all three of those you just mentioned. Just because Noah Brown, it seems that he has good first off the line, and when he matches up in coverage, 
he's he's always fighting for the ball and not, you know, in, in a bad way. Like he's one of those Ohio State receivers that's always willing to go up and get it. And that's something that we need in, in, in Tennessee because we're not, you know, Marcus isn't going to throw a 100% accurate ball every single time. And I think Noah could bring that to the Titans, especially the ability to go up, get it. Now he's no Mike Williams in terms of the playing off the league game, you know, but he has something to be found in the later rounds. As far as Dontre and Corey, I don't think they'll be drafted. I think they could be interesting undrafted uh, players to bring in and to put in for a workout. And if they show out then, you know, great. But I think their seasons were really sold short by GT Barrett this year. Um, I just don't – Dontre, I, I love for I, – I was like, okay, he's going to be what I thought was Curtis Samuel right now. I thought that was going to be him and then just ended up, you know, all that shifting to JT Barrett. So I think Brown could – well, I think Noah could sixth round maybe, fifth round. But the other two I would say undrafted just because of – All right, now I'm going to ask you the tough question here, man, because uh, we talked about these two great uh, secondary pieces that are coming out of Ohio State. Who is the better player, Marshawn Lattimore or Malik Hooker? Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore. Good answer. I, like, I'm, yeah, I, I, you're not going to be able to get me to fudge off of off Lattimore. I love the possibility of Hooker but I love the possibility of Lattimore even more. And as I've told many people before, I would absolutely freak if we somehow managed to get both of them because, you know, think about that combination. Hooker and Lattimore played on the same side of the field. You'd have instant lock chemistry on one side of the field, but that's a whole different thing. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is what you're looking for in shutdown, and he's something that isn't going to – need to take a lot of tweaking. I think Hooker is going to need to work with LeBeau on his footwork and the angle approach he takes to certain tackles. But Lattimore, I think, is the most fundamentally sound, ready-to-go NFL cornerback, ready to start day one, cornerback one. Best hit movement in the draft, can turn his head around, doesn't hesitate to get in the run game, and he's very, very reliable in the open field, and we haven't had that in Nashville for quite some time. Uh, uh, I know you, you've compared Malik Hooker to Ed Reed. Who would be your pro comparison for Lattimore? Lattimore? Um, oh, that one's that one's tough. Champ Bailey. Damn. Champ Bailey. I, I think he's that much of a lockdown now. It's it's going to take some time to achieve that total image pedigree, but I think, but he's, he's definitely in that mold. Champ Bailey could do everything. Marshawn Lattimore, I believe can do everything. And I think he's going to prove that, you know, I think he's going to prove all that with number logistics and stuff from the combo. All right, man. We all know, uh, you know, being friends with you and stuff, we all know that you've been reaching out a little bit 
talked to Lattimore over the last couple of weeks on Twitter, but I know a lot of people listening to the show don't know this. Uh, you care to go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, um, it, was, it was actually pretty funny. I was just, I just like uh, Twitter for the longest time. I, I had one that was back in July or something like that, and I signed up. And then I had one post on there from July to, I don't know, whenever, whenever we lost to Jacksonville was. I don't even like to remember that month. That's how bad it was. Um, <laughs> during that month, I, uh, I made a post, and it, I did a jersey swap on my phone. And I took Alteron Werner's old jersey, and I cut it out. And I put Marshawn Lattimore. <clears throat> I put Marshawn Lattimore on it, and I tagged tagged Lattimore in it, and he liked it. And then I did it again the next next week, but it was something else. So I, I think I've had twelve different things of Marshawn Lattimore that I've just posted at random here or there, and tagged him in, and he's like he's liked every one of them. Plus, I've seen other people post stuff that they've tagged him in. You, know, you, you can call that very like want. And some people will say he just wants top five money. I think it's just because he knows that we're in the top five by the luck of the draw, basically. And he knows of those top five teams, we're the most stable and we have the brighter franchise. Now, I could be wrong, but I'd like to think. I I agree. (laughs) Absolutely. And I wouldn't say luck of the draw. You're selling John Robinson short there, man. <laughs> We're to picking in the top five because we have a well, genius. Yeah. Well, it's just an expression. Yeah, I basically meant we got we got basically a candy cane last year to to stick around in the top five this year. But. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So, Tyler, tell us about this mock draft you got coming up. The uh, mock draft pool. Um, well, I uh, I set it up. Um, it all on, honestly, it was a way for you know not only to pass the time between the drafts, pass time heading towards the off season of free agency, but wanted also to make it like interactive for the entire group and actually get people to actually sit down and think long and hard about the draft and you know actually be realistic. Actually, yeah, it was actually be realistic about it. I mean, you see this stuff all over Facebook, like, you know, amateur scouting reports and these first pick screenshots and whatnot and all these what ifs. But I thought if we could bring forth a competition, um, you know, with end prizes, it, uh, it'd really make you actually sit down and be a realist. And not only about our picks, but everyone around us as well. Um, so basically what it is, is it's a first round mock draft pool where you, uh, select all 32 teams picks. It's a free entry. It doesn't cost a thing. Um, we currently have, I think 40 participants. Uh, it's, it, I'm sure there's still more that I asked to add. I just haven't been on the, the site yet, um, to check it out. We, um, we're going to have the top five awarded, um, prizes, and we're actually going to, I actually added this in. We're going to have honorable mention for the next five. So you don't get anything, but you get a pat on the back. Um, <laughs> Good job. And you didn't suck five, too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, great job. Great job. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, 
the prizes are a Mariota. It's all sports memorabilia. So, um, Mariota rookie jersey card, a Jack Conklin autograph, Chris Johnson autograph, a Kevin and Dodd autograph, and a Javon Ringer triple patch rookie jersey card. Now, I know Glenn, I was already seen talking about this. He thinks that <laughs> card's not worth much. And I know it probably scares a lot of Titan fans away, just the name Javon Ringer, but it's uh, it's actually worth more than you think. So I just want to know how much you're going to pay me to take it off of you. <laughs> uh, you, you basically you select all 32 picks um, you're scored in a number of different ways based on the nature of each pick um, you get a point for the correct order you get a point for the correct position you get two points for the correct player and then you get three bonus points for the correct Titan player so let's say you pick pick number five Marshawn Lattimore and it ends up being Marshawn Lattimore you get the correct order Position, player, and the three points. So it's 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 just those three points are bonus. Um, mocks must be edited and submitted to me through Facebook message. That way, I can log everything in this program I have on my computer uh, before the NFL draft. But mock drafts they can be edited and swapped out up until a half hour before the NFL draft. Um, once the draft starts, there will be no edits allowed at all. Um, and something about the pick order. Uh, the pick order is where trades come into play. Uh, you can swap pick order number up until the deadline, but any trades you think happen during the draft, you'll need to basically predict them. Um, so that's, Which will that's be pretty, pretty difficult. And pretty awesome if you do. Yeah, if you can if you can predict what team's going to trade with who, you're pretty good. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. That's what makes Javon you actually sit down. You actually did you call sit it. down and actually, yeah, you actually actually makes you sit down and be like, okay, who has the possibility to do this? It makes you think long and hard before you go, you know, half-assing into putting up a mock draft. Yep, Titans are taking Reuben Foster at five. You know, something like that. <laughs> well, half ass is what we do around here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We, uh, we post uh, a, a sign up post every so often. Um, sometimes it's pinned to the the Titans Facebook page, Two Tone Uncensored. Um, sometimes it's just randomly thrown up there. So if you happen to see it, um, just hit like if, if you haven't already signed up. Um, but the deadline to sign up so I can get everything logged is March 10th. So it's it's still a little bit away, but it's, it's going to come up here pretty close, less than a month. Yeah, and in the next coming weeks, you know, we'll advertise it way more. It's just, you know, we, we've had so much other stuff, and uh, we had a lot of time to kill before we got to that point, but we'll definitely put right. it out there more. Right, and and if we get, like, if, if we get so many – because the Titans Facebook group has over 7,000 members. So if we end up getting so many, we actually could even push the prizes to the top 10. I mean, it just depends on volume of participants to, you know, to prize ratio, basically. Um, And I actually talked with one of the admins. Um, He's he's actually going to be throwing in it. We were going to keep this a secret, but I'm just going to, throw it on now for for those who listen to the show is um 
whoever gets first place will, will actually get a bonus. Yes. So you'll get your pick of the card, and then and you get to live else. in Tyler's so, house for a year. That uh, that, that <laughs> it comes with a lot of money that needs to be paid, and a and yeah. That's and a hard you, need, you, you need. I hope you don't mind touch of Eden Internet. <laughs> that right no. there, that, that settled it. No, I, I'm not. I'm not in the loop on this second secondary prize, but I have a feeling I know what it is, and it definitely would be worth it. It's actually coming from a uh, Taylor, Rocket Taylor. So he's gonna be one. Oh. I don't know what he's when he's donating, but well, then he, I have. He, well, then I have no idea. Never mind. Yeah, so it's I, not it's, it's not a free it's not a free bed and breakfast weekend here at my place. No, <laughs> no, no. it's a no, full week, no, no a weekend, everybody. So really, try to get this. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you still Tyler have to will be mow your lawn for. <laughs> all right. Oh. If everybody wants to find that, um, I know all of us on the show are taking part in. Anybody wants to find it, you can find it on uh, Tennessee Titans Uncensored the fan page um, normally pinned at the top like Tyler said uh, and if you can't find it get a hold of us or get a hold of Tyler on Facebook and we'll definitely point you in the right direction so you can get involved with it it's going to be a lot of fun I'm already looking forward to it but thanks for coming on the show Tyler give us a lot of insight on the on the Buckeyes good job no you set the bar fairly high for the other next guys on yeah yeah I, I'd really love to see Devin Mills get on here and <laughs> like let it set his chain loose because I'm sure he'd actually use a good portion of his air time to go after some posters. But yeah. <laughs> well, he won't get to hear this unfortunately until after boot camp. So As I was I, say, we, yeah, sent him, we sent him off to boot camp at the right time. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking. And and uh, old Rose over there can't can't get off the Titanic long enough to be able to be able to do a podcast. So. <laughs> All right, thanks for being on the show with us, Tyler. Um, thanks for coming out. It was a lot of fun having you on. All right, no problem, man. Later, man. Later. Later. All right, folks, that's about does it for our show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Be sure to check out hang10.com. That's hangtn.com. I know we've been uh, pushing it out every week, but they have really great stuff, and I'm being told that, um, coming up soon for the draft, there's going to be some new stuff coming out, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, use our promo code TWOTONE, all caps, all one word, to get 10% off of any purchase that you make. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, again, for listening to the show. Thank you to my awesome co-hosts, Matt and Glenn. Big thanks to Tyler for coming on the show, giving us an in-depth look. We're going to keep doing these each week, covering the big teams in college football, The you know, the Alabamas, the Clemsons. Uh, of the college football world to get a good look at some of these guys um, that could possibly be in two-tone blue uh, come April. So that's all we have for the show. Tighten up. Tighten up. I I call the uh, Northman Estate uh, episode. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.